the problem with Candid was that it doesn't say what we do, right? It doesn't say, you know, nonprofit hub or, you know, philanthropic data warehouse where it's a, a, a real direct and specific name. Uh, it's a little bit more amorphous. And if you say I work at Candid, to someone that doesn't isn't familiar with the organization, they may not know what we do. But we decided that we were okay with that, that we wanted to maybe take a step beyond just that super deliberate name of, uh, you know, nonprofit re- data repository or whatever. And we wanted to move beyond that and, and think about the future and think about how a name and a brand could go on to be something more than just the literal definition of what we do. Earlier this year, GuideStar and Foundation Center announced a historic merger into one organization named Candid. Foundation Center, with its annual printing of nonprofit directories, and GuideStar, the first searchable electronic database of nonprofits, are a natural pairing that made sense for a merger. Bringing the two together was a years-long process. This merger is representative of the flavor of discussions that have been happening increasingly in our communities the last decade or so. Namely, how much more good can be done when like-minded organizations work together, partner, or even join forces entirely? This is The Nonprofit Experience, a podcast that presents candid conversations about the human experience of nonprofit work, and I'm your host, Sandy Sear. On today's episode, you'll hear from two people who lived through the merger. Holly Ivel worked as Director of Data Services at GuideStar before transitioning to the Senior Director of Business Development at Candid. And you've heard from Gabe Cohen, then Senior Director of Marketing and Communications at GuideStar, who now holds that same title at Candid. Gabe and Holly got together to tell us what happens when related organizations combine their individual identities and legacies into one to better serve the public. Conversations have actually been going on between the, the two classic organizations, as we call ourselves now, Foundation Center Classic and GuideStar Classic, for something like 10 years now. And we've been really good partners for, for at least that long, if not a bit longer. And just as I think a lot of nonprofits are doing now, there's at least these thoughts of, well, can we grow our partnership in some direction or another? And those conversations got a little bit more serious in 2013, I believe. And we hired an, an outside consultant to come in and look at the two organizations and, and see if it made sense for us to, to merge at that point. And, and what the consultants found was that there was a ton of overlap in what we did. And there was lots of reasons that we should be thinking about merging, but that the timing just wasn't right between the two organizations. And so we somewhat deliberately and somewhat just because of the, the way that our two independent organizations were operating, started to make these small little changes to make it so that if we were to merge in the future, we would be better aligned uh, as two kind of puzzle pieces coming together to use a, a bad metaphor. But And then in 2017, we had the same consultant come in and kind of look at the same questions and they came back and said, yep. The, the time is right. You all should do this. And so then the logistical process of merging started in earnest. And the, the first step was to think about it from a funding perspective. Was there support in the philanthropic community? And you and I talked earlier, Holly, about the fact that we enjoy the earned revenue aspect, but we also have very generous foundation supporters that believe in in what we do, uh, both as past tense as two independent organizations and now in the future sense as one organization. 
so we went out and started having some conversations and most of that was done by the, the two CEOs, Brad Smith and Jacob Harold, but others were involved as well. And we found that there really was a lot of philanthropic support, both in principle and financially to the two organizations coming together. We started to take a series of steps then, creating an MOU, getting the boards together, and those sorts of things, which I think we can talk more about at some point. But on February 1st of, of this year, of 2019, we announced the merger to the world. And I was a part of the team that worked on the brand behind the merger and coming up with the new candid name and and the different elements that go into our new brand. And so that, that was a fun process that I can talk about. But Holly, I think it would be interesting to hear as a participant in this, what has the process been like from your side as a, kind of an employee of Candid and previously of GuideStar? How has the process seen from, from your vantage point? Well, I had a little bit of insight about a year into the role that these discussions were happening, but it wasn't something that was getting talked about widely across the organization until we got more clarity that this was likely going to happen. So there's always a, a mixture in my mind and my, uh, my um, experience with mergers. This isn't the first one for me that is excitement combined with questions and wondering. You know, initially from the outside, I, I really just had a sense of Foundation Center's technical capabilities and some of the beautiful work that they did just looking at their website and being able to see their different offerings, but not really having had a lot of relationships with any of the staff there. So it's sort of, um, I'll call it superficial, like excitement and, and a sense of well, what might their capabilities be, but not really knowing what that organization was like, the people that were on staff, or how the work that I had been hired to do would change. A lot of anticipation without a lot of answers for that whole first year leading up to the announcement. And then trying to make sure that I was attuned to those same kinds of potential feelings that my staff would have once the communications began to flow more freely into the organization, trying to help manage everyone's energy stepping forward into the next phase of the merger. Yeah. And you touched on something that I think has been so front of mind to many of the people on, on the candid staff kind of leading up to the merger. And, and then over the last six to seven, eight months since we've come together. And I think that's just this idea of ambiguity, right? We knew that we were coming together as organizations, but it's, it's a lot of work. I mean, I'll say that's the thing that I've been, most surprised about is just, you know, I knew at a theoretical level that there would be infinite amounts of conversations that we'd have to have about coming together to, to truly create one organization. But I think that I'm still finding myself surprised at just how much on a daily basis, yeah. how much energy it takes uh, to go into those conversations. And I know, you know, I, I've probably had the opportunity to meet I don't know, 75 or 100 of our our, our new colleagues that, that came from Foundation Center Classic. And everyone's just great. Everyone's been really great on a, on a person-to-person level. And I, I think that 
with almost no exceptions, I've come across anyone that doesn't fully believe that we are doing the right thing by coming together as organizations, just based on the, let's call it the net impact, although I know I'll probably get some negative comments for, for using the I word here that we can have as a new organization. Everyone believes that at an organizational level. And then I think the thing to me that that has been a reality is just the stress on a, a both an individual and team level of trying to keep people focused on moving forward because of the larger overall impact that we're going to be able to have as a new organization. Yeah. Well, keeping in mind that this is a very personal journey for everyone that's a part of it um, and, and trying to acknowledge that too. Yeah, I think that's really the case. And it's funny, once you start developing some personal relationships and you get a sense of how warm and friendly and, and smart and engaging the folks are that were on the foundation center side, somehow that is relaxing um, on, a, on a very basic human level. Um, but then there's still the work to figure out, well, I used to do this and I can see you have some aspects of that activity over here. What does that look like eight months from now? Or you approach things from this framework and we've historically had a different way of approaching this problem. And so it's, it's terrific to find people who are collaborative and open and smart. At the same time, you know, we're, we're moving all of the parts around. And so everything that you did day to day that you maybe took for granted, collectively, we need to reevaluate that. and in some cases, break it down and reassemble it. And it's not a quick, it's not a quick exercise either, because there are layers of things like you mentioned, you know, the accounting system needs to come together, the payroll system needs to come together, the IT domains that we're working on need to come together. And then, then there are the bigger meta questions about what comes forward from each of the organizations, what things get gelled Together, are there certain pieces of what we used to do that don't make sense to do anymore now that we're together? And so there's, and those aren't things that happen quickly. And so you have this period of time that is extensive where you're trying to figure it out. And that requires a, a lot of energy. Yeah. You know, patience, I think is, is, is something that I'm learning in multiple parts of my life right now. First, because I have a two and a half year old, but also <laughs> we're going through this process. And, and I think you're just exactly right about that. There's this eagerness to be one organization and just to make decisions so that we can come together and we can focus on the work of getting people the resources they need to do good, um, which is our new mission. But it, that that's countered with wanting to be deliberate and thoughtful about how we make those decisions. And so there's just a real tension there that I found. And it's a, it's a good tension. It's a positive tension of wanting to move forward and set ourselves up for a, a very successful future, but at the same time, wanting to be really thoughtful about how we're doing that exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that's something that I've, that I've just been encountering on an almost daily, if not weekly basis. 
You know, and I, I think that just highlights when, when the sector talks about increasing partnerships and then where do you go from there? Should organ, how closely should organizations work together and when should they actually choose to um, consolidate in some way? And I think there's really no simple checkbox list of questions that would tell you, oh, yes, that, you know, this is a, a logical next step. But I think organizations thinking about, is there something we would do fundamentally different or better for the sector if we could consolidate? And so, you know, I often think about the example in my world of the, the data, the databases that we each have, the different sources of data we have, the technical expertise, um, the knowledge about the, the history of the data and how we probably couldn't do something as dynamic as I think we will be doing over the next few years through a partnership, as opposed to saying, no, we're, we're going to come together and we're going to, we're going to merge these databases and sources of information and we're going to build off of them. Yeah. And you know, the, the thing that was just kind of running through my head when you were saying that is how much I think this conversation shifts to a not in my backyard aspect, right? Like I think there's, and you'll know this that off the top of your head, but there's something like 1.7 million active nonprofit organizations out there in the United States right now. So I think that theoretically people that are kind of involved in the sector believe that the more consolidation that we can have, the better off that we're going to be at really accomplishing some of our collective missions, if you will. But that is, it's then really hard to do <laughs> is, is the, the, the dirty little secret of it all is that it does take a lot of work. And I, I don't mean to say that to talk people out of it, but I can understand wanting to be really thoughtful and deliberate about making those decisions because of just the day in and day out work that that goes into the process of coming together. While we know that, as I mentioned earlier, that's going to go towards building a good foundation, you're not getting the same amount of reward that you did on a, that you got on a regular basis by kind of interacting with our users, say. I think that's something that both you and I enjoy doing a lot and mm -hmm. maybe a little bit less of that right now because we are building that foundation. And, and I think that's just something that I, I kind of miss. Yeah, I I agree and I I think you're I think you're right to say it's a it's it's something organizations shouldn't do lightly. On the other hand, I think sometimes there is an infatuation with your own organization that maybe makes it hard to think about how it could be better in combination with another organization, right? Nobody wants to see their baby disappear, so to speak, or you know, the thing that they've maybe spent many years building up go away. And that that's another piece of the tension that you kind of have to work through is to think about in order to create something new, you have to be willing to break things down a little bit and look at them in a critical way and then start to rebuild them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think there, there's, there's a snowflake syndrome that, that starts to happen too. Uh, I, you know, I really credit our leadership for for making the leap. At a certain point, I think that they had to rationalize all of the things that we're talking about here, but just to to go forward and to take that jump, and they did. And I I think we're all 
we just continue to be excited about what the future is going to hold. And we're starting to get a little bit more clarity on that too, which is exciting. And we're starting to hear some of the ways that our, our two classic organizations have come together. And as you mentioned, the data is starting to come together. Um, and so the excitement is starting to build again. And, and we're starting to see the ways that we really are going to be to, to help the world. I mean, not, not to not to pat ourselves on the back too much. I think that we both try to keep a pretty good perspective about what we do, but we're going to be able to move the ball forward. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, so w- there are just a lot of things on a list of possibilities that you can suddenly see um, more clearly. So I've been responsible for GuideSAR's compensation report for the last couple of years. It had been created and produced by one of the founding members of GuideStar, seven, started 17 years before me. And it's a 4,700-page PDF that is indexed uh, many different ways and statistically really sound, but not a very useful form. And it's only produced once a year. And so I'm excited about the possibility of saying, well, can we? what can we do to take all of the incredible intelligence and ingenuity that has has been built over the years to create that report and redirect that into potentially a SaaS product or into our database in ways that let us expose information more dynamically than maybe we've been able to do in the past. And I would tell you there's no, you know, there's not like a an immediate eight to 12 month roadmap, but I can see a whole new set of possibilities for something that had been you know, really valued and used in the industry, but now can go potentially lots more directions and serve a lot more people. Yeah, you know, so but so that's one example. And I think another example that's, you know, really concrete and starting to be fun is partnering across the aisles with some of the, our folks in the social sector outreach part of the, found, the Historic Foundation Center organization. They have an amazing group of people who have real bench strength in doing nonprofit training. And so for the first time, we're able to really think about, well, as we offer subscription services or publication services, what might be some training needs that our constituents have that we've just never been able to offer before. And this is in working with clients who have historically engaged the GuideStar side of the house. And the flip scenario is happening as our social sector outreach, our SSO group, is engaging with their traditional constituents who are beginning to ask questions about, well, would we be able to bring certain research or certain data intelligence to the table? And so I think Increasingly, even though it's going to take time to make all of it a reality, we're starting to see much more concretely the cross-pollination opportunities, and that's pretty cool. Yeah, and and I'll just echo your sentiments that that our training team, which we kind of internally call the SSO team, has been just beyond impressive. You and I, Holly, on the GuideStar Classic side of things, were a part of a team that created a program to get out into the community and work with nonprofits to 
update their profiles on GuideStar. Uh, we were kind of making it up as we went. A relatively successful program. We've been all over the country in many different states and, and communities uh, working physically one-on-one with nonprofits to help them earn seals of transparency. Once we, we merged, we started working with the SSO team and that team is actually going to take over that program next year. But it's been one of those like wonderful moments of, oh my gosh, we have professional trainers. And I think that's been something that both you and I have really enjoyed being a part of. Yeah, it's fantastic. But, you know, I'll, um, I'll drop a little extra reality into that, right? Because the, that SSO organization has had regional, externally facing professionals that have built relationships and provided services. And the business development function in GuideStar has a similar set of staff and a similar set of activities. And so we're having to really do this dance around you know, who should step forward in a particular relationship? How do we support each other if somebody's already got the relationship? Mechanically, how do we figure out how a contract gets put in front of a client and how the invoicing happens? And so I think we can see all of these nuggets in front of us, but it's also important to that the mechanics have yet to really be fully rebuilt and we're still trying to figure out handoffs. And that's where that sort of trust and sense of um, these are smart, good people. And we're all trying to figure out how do we put the client in the middle? How do we put the person or the organization we're working with in the middle? And don't bother them with those details, but kind of get it figured out behind the scenes. Um, and that's not insignificant. Yeah, that the trust aspect it is just so true. You know, as you as you join a, an organization, that's one of the things that you do is that you're just building trust with your with your colleagues and, and that's that's the same here. We, we from the GuideStar Classic side of things, there's about uh, 80, 85 full time employees and from the Foundation Center classic side of things there was about you know, hundred and twenty or so, maybe hundred and thirty, hundred and forty full time employees. And, and so you're you're building bridges and trust with a a whole new large group of people. I I can say in almost every one-on-one situation, I've been surprised in a great way about what I found uh, on the, on the other side of things. And I've really come to enjoy working with so many of our colleagues from the foundation center classic side of things, but that doesn't mean that you're necessarily going into the situation with trust to begin with. No, you're not. And and in many cases, you know, one of the things I think is funny is around common language. Yeah. Or maybe not common language, using a word and each historic organization having a very different definition of what that means. And so there's a certain amount of you think you're talking to each other and then you realize you're not. You're talking past each other because you don't have a shared framework. And it's just very simple things, even just sort of how you talk about certain aspects of data in the database or what is considered. There's all kinds of it. There's a million examples of it. But and so you have to be good humored in this process, too. Oh, yeah. Humor helps for sure. And you and I are are big believers in that. You know, a real practical piece of advice that I would give to organizations out there that that are going to, to take the plunge and merge 
is that we, um, before we kind of announced it to the public, but it was internally known, we created what we called a, a, a candid cheat sheet. And what that was, was a breakdown of a lot of the terminology that was used by the two classic organizations and, you know, the different program names um, and so on and so forth. And one of the things that I think we did with that was a section that was called Jargon Soup. And it was just a bunch of acronyms, mostly, that individually as organizations, we both completely understood what they were. Mm-hmm. But you become part of a larger organization, you have to do this gut check and say like, oh, yeah, nobody knows what DDN or SSO or FIN or whatever it may be. And so putting that all down on paper, just like a wonderful exercise to be a part of. And I've heard from a bunch of our different colleagues, our our candid colleagues, that it's a helpful document that they they go back and reference on a regular basis. So so there's a piece of uh, practical wisdom for all of you potential nonprofit mergers out there. Yeah, no, that's great. And, you know, one other thing, as you were talking about that, that I was, you know, Gabe, you were on the very front lines of the discussions and the planning. So you were probably one of the earliest people involved in beginning to make this change happen for us. And so, and then I was probably in a, maybe a third wave. And what I realized last week was I still had staff who had yet to physically sit and have a conversation with a member of the foundations, the original foundation center team. And so we have a a meeting in October where we're bringing staff together to uh, convene for the first time. And there's still this wide range of comfort and exposure to each other. Some of us are you know, very good friends at this point and very comfortable and and have a good sense of each other. And others are, you know, anxious. This will be their first time perhaps meeting colleagues face to face. Yeah. Yeah. I um, am so excited for that because of the smaller interactions that I've had. You know, it's not the entire 220 or so people, but being able to get it and, and go to the New York Foundation Center office and, and just meet people up there. Again, it's it's this this process of, of learning to trust and and get to know each other that, that we're just in the middle of right now. And I've really I just really have enjoyed that. And I enjoy hearing from people about what their particular area of expertise is. But I, I just want to touch on something that you just said about me kind of being in an early wave of knowing that this would happen. Well, I think that's true. I, I I feel like sometimes people say that as though I, I was privileged to to know this information early, and I can tell you that 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 may be the the case in some aspects of it, but in other aspects, it just means that I've been living with the anxiety of it for longer than other people have. And so, there's really this game that I think you and I, as kind of managers, and lots of other people around the organization, are still trying to figure out, which is like. What is it best for people to, to know and to talk about on a regular basis? And it's not that you want to keep secrets and it's not that you want to engage or not engage in a rumor mill, but what's the most productive way to deal with the unknown? You know, Gabe, I just, um, I just want to say how grateful I am that we have been on this journey together. There's been so much happening and I have just really appreciated you as a peer, as a friend in helping 
me personally and also helping me professionally as we, we move our teams into this new world. I have very much loved working with you. So thank you. Yeah. And I, I really completely agree. It's been great to have people like you and specifically you to talk to through this process because it's really hard. It's really challenging and that's, it's challenging for a good reason. And, and both you and I, I know, believe in what we're doing, but it's been great to just kind of step back and say, Holly, I got to talk to you about this thing that's going on. I need some advice or I just need to vent. Well, hopefully we shared some good thoughts. It was a really good time for me to stop and reflect and I'm glad we got to do it together. So thank you. That's the end of this week's episode. Thanks for listening. This episode was edited by our producer, Preston Whitworth. Shalina Omar is our digital director and Andre Tidwell is our production assistant. All of our music was composed by David Mueller. I'm the executive producer and your host, Sandy Sear. This show is a listener-supported project of the Philanthropy Journal. You can find show notes and access previous episodes at philanthropyjournal.org. And don't forget, if you can, figure out where your lettuce comes from, get yourself a reusable water bottle, and like our Facebook page at Philanthropy Journal FB.